0: to take a quick moment to thank you all for joining us today. This podcast was recorded and is made available to you by Whitley Penn LLP and WP Wealth LLP solely for informational purposes. The information, views, and opinions expressed in this podcast are general in nature and are not intended to be construed as the provision of financial or investment advice by Whitley Penn or WP Wealth. The information discussed in this podcast is accurate as of the day it was recorded but may then become outdated over time. Please feel free to contact us if you have any questions, comments, or concerns in regard to the content presented. Thank you again for tuning in and we hope you enjoy this episode. everyone, thank you for joining us on another episode of WP Talks. I'm your host today, Bree Miller, joined by a very familiar voice, Tom Ryan, a partner in our WP Wealth Group. Um, if you've been tuning in to our series, Navigating Through, then you joined us on what was a very unprecedented year. Uh, we kind of kicked off the series by um, talking about our initial, initial reactions to the coronavirus and the immediate impact it had on the market. Uh, we discussed the actions taken by the Fed and the Treasury in the form of stimulus. We journeyed through an election cycle. We shared some of our thoughts on uh, the different platforms the candidates were running on. Um, and last time we spoke, we had the results in from the presidential election. we awaiting confirmation and also awaiting the uh, runoff for the two seats in Senate in Georgia. So with the flip of the calendar, we wanted to kick off the new year by getting back together, reviewing the outcome of those races, um, and sharing some of our thoughts on how a change in power might affect the economy and uh, the stock markets going forward. So Tom, we know we now have a Democratic-controlled White House, a narrowly controlled um, Democratic majority in the Congress, um, in fact, of the 535 le- legislators in Congress, uh, the Democratic Party holds a majority by just 10 representatives. Um, and I find that interesting because I think that narrow split or that almost equal split is really representative of the American population and kind of where we stand. Um, where do, how do you see this narrow divide? This narrow majority affecting the kind of legislation that's going to come out of this administration, um, at least for the next two years.
1: Yeah, that's that's a great question. Well, first of all, happy New Year. Uh, certainly, last year was crazy. We uh, we're all hoping that 2021 brings us a little a uh, little more uh, calmer events. But uh, uh, we're uh, looking forward. Obviously, you know, we're, we're a month into the year, and so much has happened already. But yeah, that's a great question. I think, you know, to your point, um, you, know, you had mentioned just the, the very slim uh, hole that the Democrats had in just pure numbers in both the House and the Senate. But when you think about the election in general, just, you know, some of the states that come to mind Pennsylvania and Georgia and Arizona and Nevada that, you know, were, were must wins for Biden, which ultimately gave him the White House. You're talking about tens of thousands of votes. So, not only is, I think, the the tone of the, of the electorate represented in such a narrow way in Washington, but I think the pure vote resembled that nationally as well. And I think that's important because, you know, during the campaign, there were two very different platforms. You know, uh, the, you know obviously, we knew what the Trump administration was about. We had Uh, four years of history and uh, like him or not, you know, you you were able to make an evaluation based on his policies and, you know, uh, now President Biden took a very different approach, you know, led by voices such as AOC and Sanders and and Warren, you know, there was some real concern that the Biden administration would be starkly uh, different, right, left, you know, however you you want to categorize that than what we had in Trump. But I think it's important to note that the American people didn't necessarily uh, cast their votes in that direction. So just the narrowness in, in Congress and, and, and as we saw with the vote, I you know, America is right down the middle. And so whether rhetoric was spoken to get into the White House, it'll be very interesting to see how, how uh, the new administration legislates because ultimately they're going to have to go back in two years to in midterms to run again, so uh, the American people, I think, gave their opinion. They wanted to change in the White House. They didn't necessarily want to change drastically in Congress. So uh, this is the kind of the, the landscape that we're working with now.
0: Mm-hmm. So possibly some moderate policies to come out.
1: Would hope. Yeah. Would hope.
0: <laughs> but yeah, and President Biden, like you said, did run on a specific policy platform um, that seemed a little bit more left-leaning to many. And right out of the gate, he has uh, gone full force trying to implement that policy by way of executive orders. Um, you know, for example, as recent as December, Congress passed on a bipartisan basis nearly $1 trillion of, um, in a stimulus package. And President Biden is already pushing for an additional $1.9 trillion on top of that and it, you know, it looks like a lot of the same spending provisions as the previous package. Um, so you know, how do you see the appetite for spending out of this administration and uh, the promise for continued support from the Fed and the Treasury affecting the economy and the continued growth of the markets?
1: It's, so it's really interesting. I think you know, we saw it at least the last couple of administrations, the use of executive orders and uh, legislation through uh, reconciliation, which basically is is a departure from the traditional, you know, uh, bipartisan negotiating and and kind of uh, policy making or deal making uh, between the House and the Senate. And unfortunately, anytime you do something like that, it, it's it's temporary in nature. That in other words, you know, uh, like the Affordable Care Act with the Obama administration spent years in court because it wasn't. Passed through normal legislation, so you know my sense is right out of the gate with all these executive orders and and the threat on uh, budget reconciliation is that the Biden administration is just racing to undo everything that Trump had put into place. I mean, there's there's no love lost, obviously, and um, you know part of that, some of that, I think, is just uh, just trying to erase the past and. Put a stamp, or at least appease the constituents that voted uh, Biden in, that he's undoing, you know, the Trump administration. I think even some people in his own party questioned some things like XL pipeline and uh, some of the job-killing measures that were initially enacted right out of the gate. But, but to your point on the on the spend side, you know, it's interesting because we haven't really even spent the trillion dollars that came out in December yet. Uh, a lot of that those programs are you know, uh, are being initiated and they take some time to be implemented and already we're talking about uh, spending another $1.9 trillion largely on the same type programs, PPP, direct stimulus, unemployment benefits, COVID relief. Yet, you know, we, we look at the stock market, we we listen to some of the Fed governors who talk about 2021 potentially being a really robust economic year, you know, they're talking about. Four or five percent GDP growth in the second half. So it raises the question: you know, in what we see without a new stimulus plan, if we think we're going to grow the economy by four and five percent, do we really need to spend 1.9 trillion on programs that already have not been funded yet? And I think, again, I think you know, my opinion is that a lot of this is appeasing the electorate. That you know, unfortunately politicians try to influence uh, power by giving things to people where they they think they can positively impact or, or have a positive uh, perception and I think it'll be really tough for the Republicans if you know if if biden and company are viewed as givers uh, even if the economy maybe doesn't need it uh, it's going to be really challenging but you know, I think we just scratched the surface. You're talking about a $1.9 trillion stimulus package. And in my opinion, the minute that's done, we'll probably start talking about infrastructure. Then we'll start talking about some of the other platform positions on green energy and some other social programs. So I think the first six to eight months of the administration is going to be focused on spending. So as it relates to the economy and the stock market, I think it'll be really positive. You know, trillions of dollars of of general, you know, printed money, if you will, uh, making its way into the marketplace, it's got to be stimulative. It's got to continue to add fuel for stock price uh, valuation gains. You know, the Fed has already said that uh, they're going to be there. You know, with uh, Fed policy that's highly accommodative. They're going to keep rates low. They're going to let inflation run, you know, a tad higher than target, just to make sure that the economy is growing significantly. So. I think for the economy and the market, it's really positive uh, because I think there's going to be a ton of spending. Mm-hmm. Uh, to uh, at least you know what we've sent so far through through some of the commentary coming out of Washington right now.
0: Right, and you highlighted some of those outside of stimulus in the form of spending for infrastructure and and green energy and social programs. And we already know that the national debt is currently above 27 trillion. And if there's not some Form of offsetting revenue for these kinds of spending programs, um, then obviously we can anticipate a continued increase in national debt. Uh, you know, President Biden ran on the platform of tax reform, specifically changes to individual and corporate rates, capital gains rates, um, some changes to state law. How do you see him, you know, generating the revenue to support these spending programs? And if it is in the form of tax law reform, uh, how, how will that impact the market?
1: Yeah, that's the big question. Uh, it, it, you know, generally, increasing taxes is not great for, it, for the economy. And I think, you know, the degree upon uh, the, the, the extreme nature of policy moving forward will probably depend on the strength of the economy. So, if the economy is fairly weak, I, you know, I think you know President Biden and, and all his advisors are smart enough to understand that you know, you can't knock the legs out from the economy when it's just beginning to get traction. So I I do think that you know he, he in order to influence or to, to to reconcile his policy pledges he would he would make changes to tax policy, but probably not material. I think what we've learned. Uh, in the last many years and, and certainly under Trump administration as well as the Biden administration or as well as the Obama administration is, uh, you know, they, they've, Congress has gotten a sweet tooth to borrowing. You know, the, where we used to have some fiscal constraint on levels of debt, I think that's gone out the window. So I think that's, a, that's an easy source to go back to is deficit spending as long as there's an appetite around the world to buy our debt. I think that would be a favored uh, way of, of getting uh, revenue or you know, getting uh, uh, liquidity to, to fund these programs. Obviously, interest rates are essentially zero, so carry costs is next to nothing. I think if the economy improves to a level that you know gives Washington confidence that it can withstand um, higher taxes, then I think we've got to be careful. You know, we heard yesterday that uh, Senator Warren is talking about a wealth tax, you know, that's a, that's a theme she's been um, been uh, pushing for a lot of years now. But, you know, maybe we're closer to that as a way of, of gener- obviously, we have to generate revenue somehow. When we're spending trillions of dollars that we don't have every year, there's got to be an offset. And I think those with wealth and with higher incomes are certainly targets, whether it's you know, increasing the estate tax, generating a wealth tax. Uh, raising income or payroll taxes, um, you, you just you got to be really careful that you don't take the incentives away from capital markets and from business formation. And I think that's a, that's a tight wire uh, uh, walk that you're making right now given the fragile nature of the economy due to COVID. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. I, I think, as I mentioned, I think the first six to eight months, they're going to focus on spending. And I think after that, we're going to get a sense for where the economy is. and what their attitude is for tax policy um and i think you know that's where the risk to the market and the economy comes in you know certainly as wealth advisors we're concerned when we hear things like uh, doubling the capital gains tax rate and uh raising uh, or mitigating the financial impact of using qualified plans as tax deferral features and and doubling or increasing the the payroll tax above uh for those earning over 400,000 I think that will largely affect our clients, mm-hmm. and I think would probably not be great for the incentive to take risk in the capital markets and other form of investment. So, something we're certainly uh, watching and, and trying to understand where the, the momentum is going on that.
0: Right. It'll be interesting to see as we continue to see recovery in the economy, kind of how that shapes out.
1: Yeah, I think time will tell. You know, if the Fed governors are right. If we're growing at 4 or 5%, I think there would be a lot more. Uh, appetite for the Democrats to start pushing major, you know, material tax reform, uh, but I think if we're still fragile, if unemployment is still high, if you know small businesses are still suffering coming out of the COVID shutdown and trying to get their feet up, probably would not make sense. And then and then you write back again if, if it takes most of this year to spend, and, and then we start talking about taxes, you write into a, another election cycle. And the American people can make their opinion on whether um, they like what's going on or not. And uh, you know, as, you, as you kick this thing off and, and talking about how thin the margins are in the House and then obviously 50-50 in the Senate, it wouldn't take a lot for either, House, either the House or the Senate to flip, which would take the ability for an administration to, to pass material changes at that point. Mm-hmm.
0: One of the topics that I think listeners might find interesting in in starting to understand is kind of the difference in administrations as it relates to foreign policies. So we know the Trump administration was very pro-America first. Um, There was tariffs implemented on various economies around the world. We withdrew from the Paris Agreement um, that addresses climate change, imposed sanctions on Iran. And uh you know implemented a trade deal with China, and we've seen President Biden already start to reverse some of those policies. How do you think this administration's relationship with foreign economies and foreign leaders is similar or different um from the previous
1: yeah, and, you know I, I I go back to the activity on the executive orders right out of the gate, you know uh, Biden basically reversed not everything but a lot of what trump had had done and you know, like him or not, and a lot of people don't obviously, you know, the economy was fairly strong and I believe part of that was the strong position that he took um, with world leaders and with other economies around the globe, whether it be through tariffs or just the way he negotiated. I think certainly you know, unemployment rate was very, very low, our economy was growing, wealth indicators were strong across all segments of the population. And in you know coming out and undoing a lot of that raises an eyebrow as to whether the Biden administration is just trying to put Trump as a distant memory and kind of snubbing the nose to uh, to those policies, or whether they truly have a different um, philosophy and how it relates to the rest of the world. Obviously, you know, prior administrations, and many of them, not just one. Um, allowed China to get to the position they were uh, in, in growing their economy and taking advantage of the US in trade and, and not just China but other countries. And, and so whether, whether this was a reaction to Trump or whether it's part of a strategic plan, uh, we're going to have to wait and see. Um, we certainly saw benefits of the approach that Trump took. And so it's hard to it's hard to see that clarity yet in the Biden policy structure. Um, just the fact that it was just more of undoing and not of doing. So we'll see. It's early, you know. Uh, we're only a month or so into his administration, so I'm not going to, you know, cast in stone what, what his position is. But you know, I, some other things I think you know from a world standpoint, which I think is interesting. You know, one of the things is energy independence that we created here domestically. It's hard to remember the last time there was significant conversation about the Middle East from a threats perspective. Um, and, and largely that's because we became energy independent. And so, you know, where we spent de- you know, generations uh, dealing in the Middle East and in, in conflict and in lives lost, largely because of oil, you know, that, that was not necessarily um, uh, the case as we became energy independent. So, with the canceling of the XL pipeline, with some of the other um, policy decisions, you know, I hope we don't revert to a situation where we're, we're entertaining conversations again, uh, like we have in the past. That that hopefully policy decisions are in place that uh, continue to build on some of the good uh, that happened with some of the Trump administration's decisions. Again, you know, it's early. Uh, we're you know, it's only February, you know, it's less than a month since Biden's been in office. There's been a lot of activity. Um, so, you know, you can only evaluate based on what you've seen. Um, but we'll, you know, time will tell as it relates to the Paris Accord and, you know, uh, uh, greenhouse gases and, and the environment. You know, obviously the Democrats have a much stronger um, pro environmental policy stance than what. Uh, the Trump administration did, you know, uh, that that that's fine. Uh, we'll see how that impacts the economy. You know, we know there's a lot of parts of the economy right now that's upset, that they feel threatened as we shift. Um, we've been told that those jobs will be replaced. So, you know, time will tell. And then, fortunately, we have elections every two years that would you know, constituents can can vote their opinion on, on whether they agree with that or not, but, but certainly it's, um, you know, 2021 is going to be uh, very interesting for lots of diff- different reasons than 2020 was. Uh, we're, I think we're generally optimistic um, that, you know, we've got the vaccine, uh, we we see light at the end of the tunnel that the economy can begin to emerge from what was just devastating, um, that, you know, small business owners hopefully are going to be able to get back in, in opening their businesses up and, uh, and people are going to go back to work and to school and maybe we'll get a sense of a little more normalcy. And hopefully um, the the environment in Washington calms a bit uh, and uh, and maybe negotiation and Compromise will be the theme going forward. At least that's what we hope for Mm
0: -hmm. Yep, interesting points and and perspectives and to your point only time will tell how this administration is going to take shape and you know We'll look to get back together as we see that kind of start to form to to provide some clarity to our listeners and and kind of Share our thoughts on and how that might impact going forward Uh, with that I want to thank you for joining us today Uh, Continue to look for our uh, releases of podcasts wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, look for us on our website at wpwealth.com and give us a follow on LinkedIn. Um, Again, we'll see you guys soon and thanks.
1: Great. Thank you.